Hello and welcome to the Mobius Development Podcast, a real-time game development log of a senior game development project. I'm Casey. I am the engineering director on the team. I am Amanda. I'm the art director. And I'm Alex. I'm the producer. And uh, this podcast is going to serve um, both as a development log for us to document our process and how the problems we encounter and how we solve those problems, as well to serve as um, a potential resource for other people in the same position as us to have a more kind of this is exactly what another team doing the same things as you um, was dealing with at this time and the problems they were having at this time, which I would consider if we had something like that right now would be quite helpful. There's a lot of um, mystery involved here when we're students. We don't know exactly what goes on in the senior design project until we're right in the middle of it. So yeah. personally, we, I hope this yeah. will be helpful. Yeah, we, we get a lot of it from like hearsay. Mm -hmm. Like they'll say, we'll hear from people in it what it's about, but we'll never like get a, like this is what happens and what's involved in um, the process. So Alex, do you want to kind of go over what the game is so we can kind of get into our um, our discussion? I'm not really sure what the best way to explain it is. Does somebody else want to give that a try? I can give it a go. Um, so Mobius is a two-player game developed for the iPad in Unity. It's going to be offline multiplayer, so both players need to communicate with um, a non-integrated-to-the-game system, so either Discord, a phone call, or in-person communication uh, to solve puzzles. And um, the main uh, interaction with the game is going to be point-and-click, uh, there will be some likely physics-based physics puzzles due to, um, you know, what we can do with the iPad in terms of tilting it, things like that. Um, and it's themed around uh, that central communication between both players, uh, having them really communicate to get ideas across without seeing each other's screens. I think that's a good uh, representation of what we're trying to make. Obviously, think, we're still... Oh, yeah. You can yeah and I think that's going to evolve, too, as it progresses. Mm -hmm. We'll get a better... As we have more concrete development, we'll be able to explain more as to what it is. But um, I think um, with that out of the way, we can kind of dive into uh, the events of this um, this first sprint. So, Alex, if you want to kind of get into the, the quick recap of the scrum planning and the kind of agile stuff that you've worked on in the last yeah. week or so. So on the production side of things, we're a little bit behind where I personally would have thought we would be two weeks into the project, uh, but I think that's okay. We're still in very early uh, pre-production on this project. We have a lot of people, and in our early meetings, we had a little bit of an issue of uh, time. Getting everyone into the same room was a little bit difficult, especially in the first week when people are still figuring out everything. Uh, but I think we're getting more into a groove now. We've got a few tasks in the pipeline right now. We're refactoring our initial prototype that we used to pitch this game idea to the other students and to form our team initially. And we're kind of scrapping our initial art direction from that prototype. And so we've had to do a lot of uh, pre-production work figuring out that art direction and kind of rewriting our narrative a little bit. Uh, on that note, Amanda, do you want to get into kind of the the new narrative of the game before we kind of dive into the the art direction? Yeah. So in our original prototype, uh, we have kept a, okay. <laughs> From our original prototype, we've kept some of the core aspects of the narrative. For example, uh, one of the sentences we used to pitch the game was "together but alone." 
very much conveying the idea that we have two players, they're in separate places using the same um, game, but in different spaces in that game having to communicate. So we wanted to keep that idea, but we didn't want to continue with the setting of the prototype, which was Prague uh, in a hotel, very Art Nouveau. Um, the art direction was also very watercolor based, which was something that I proposed originally, but didn't pan out with the uh, team working on art, uh, you know, which is a necessary sacrifice. Sometimes these things don't happen uh, the way you want them to. So <laughs> to get back to the question, the game now takes place in a technology and math museum. Uh, we didn't originally know why the characters are there or why they go on this journey into parallel dimensions. But in the first narrative meeting, which we had a couple days ago, yesterday, <laughs> we um, had recently decided that the two players are either exploring the museum, doing some kind of heist. Um, that motivation is a little bit unclear, but they go in, they uh, encounter this Mobius scul sculpture and uh, break it. And breaking that sculpture is what transports them to this new realm where they need to solve these puzzles in order to get back out, repair the sculpture, and return back to reality. A, a little step up from what we had before, which was that little splash screen. It's like, you're in a hotel now. That's yeah. fine. You're looking for your friend. Yeah. It's it's kind of weird. It's a weird hotel. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We, no, no. Why? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> we also keep in mind we had two weeks to create the prototype. Uh, mm -hmm. No, did we have three weeks? Two we weeks. Basically two weeks. We two had three weeks. weeks, one of which was set up. Yeah. Mm -hmm. One of which was kind of figuring out the idea. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the, sec the last of which was focused on how are we going to pitch this. Yes. yes. So, you know, it yeah. comes down to we Only had one, one week. one week of pure development because <laughs> yes. it was how are we going to realizing all. that, oh, I guess um, me, the guy who's coming, like, yeah, I'll join a team. That's fine. I'm now, I have to now pitch this game and now I have to direct this game, whatever that means. <laughs> mm -hmm. So um, I think now the kind of the bulk of what we wanted to talk about um, for this first um, recording was... Um, the, the, the big struggles with kind of determining our art direction in that like there was a lot of kind of in meetings there was issues reaching consensus and like a lot of disparate styles that were coming together and trying to reconcile those into a direction that everybody liked and I think the way to talk about that is to cover kind of exactly what we did first and then kind of talk about kind of our process behind making those decisions and kind of why we came to the conclusions that we did and why like kind of what had to change about our thinking in order to get the get that problem solved yeah in the initial meetings it felt right to have everybody there for all those initial planning meetings because we were making a lot of big uh changes and also we needed to get everybody sort of up to speed with what we were doing but definitely moving forward i think we're going to have more meetings with less people um so the individual workload for every person would be the same but each meeting can be a lot more streamlined because it's just the people that are motivated about that specific part of the project. Mm -hmm. For example, the um, art direction meeting that we had yesterday, we met for about uh, two hours, about an hour and a half of which was spent actively just discussing the art direction. Uh, we had three people. Uh, one person came in for a little bit and then dipped out. Um, but I think that that was really, really productive. And uh, when we returned to talking about the art direction, since we might be you know, rewinding a little bit for now. Um, I think that, that having a smaller group making decisions is really uh, useful for getting those decisions done in a timely manner. Do you want to talk about what the first things we did in our early meetings were? Uh, 
yeah kind of kind of specifically in the fold of um of our of our art direction just kind of what those what those first meetings were like because it was it was a lot of like throwing disparate ideas out there that first mood board was kind of a mess Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it was a lot of i was thinking we could even rewind a little further for a second yeah back Mm -hmm. back into the into the bygone era of two weeks ago (laughs) oh yeah when in our very first i don't even remember what happened two weeks ago (laughs) in our very first meeting in which the first thing we did was uh scrap everything was scrap everything which was scary to me (laughs) as the producer but i think in the end that was an important step like i think if we had uh locked ourselves into that initial prototype plan we probably would be in a worse spot going forward Uh, so i think that was important it's obviously not something you can do in every two weeks um no that wasn't the plan we weren't going to be like, all right, it's the start of the second sprint. Let's scrap everything. Let's, do it again. Let's scrap everything. We're going to start over. That's what that's yep. what sprints are. We get <laughs> two weeks to make are. the game, and we and just then try different start over different again. ways. Yeah. No, probably not. Probably not that. <laughs> but we had an organized method for scrapping aspects of our game. We knew there were important parts of the game. There were core aspects of what made Mobius the game. Mobius the game. So we drew up a little chart on the whiteboard. It had a keep section, it had a scrap section, and it had a question mark section. Uh, So through the group discussion, we went through our um, design document from the prototype, and we said, are we keeping this? Are we scrapping this? Do we not know about this yet? And then a lot of stuff went into do we not know, and then that went to like going through that do we not know list and saying, what if this stuff is really worth keeping? Because a lot of it was like, I liked this element of the prototype, not I think this element of the prototype is what makes the game the game we want to make. So a lot of it was the setting went and the art direction went and like even kind of core aspects of the puzzle design went. And the only thing that really kind of maintained was that aspect of when you finish a broad puzzle, um, that reality that you're in resets itself with minor changes and that was the only thing that was really retained in our design. And that was probably the best um, outcome of that meeting. Because even like elements that were kind of central to the pitch, like the cosmic horror aspect, um, went when we when we made those decisions. Yeah, I think that there's a important step where you sort of get over the hump of that like honeymoon period with your pitch and your idea. And you realize that maybe this isn't the best way once you've actually assembled your team. Because the team assembly process has a real big impact on what you're actually going to want to be doing. Yeah. That was the other big surprise, too, is that when, like, a lot of those pitches were like, we're going to, now we're going to allow team sizes smaller than eight. Where we went from, like, oh, we have nine people, we're going to be on the smaller side of teams, to Nathan made that announcement. And it's like, oh, now we're suddenly, like, the seventh biggest team. Mm -hmm. I think we are... Maybe the fifth biggest. I Are think we there's, the fifth biggest? I think there's two or three teams that have 12 people. And um, I don't know other than that, but I think we're in the top five with it's nine. Definitely an interesting yeah. uh, chart of lots yeah. of five people teams, us, and then lots of uh, 12, 12 to teams. 12 yeah. plus. Because my, my <laughs> first reaction to that was like, oh, now we're like on that list of the big teams. There's There's expectations involved in that. And I was like, I don't know if I want... Like the weight of, oh, this team had nine people this whole time. It was a mm-hmm. popular idea. If, like, th- I think I think it was Gigi that was talking about it in the in the lecture that it was um, uh, the kind of the the previous um, 
uh, kind of air of the program was very much like these bigger games or the teams the games with bigger teams fundamentally made games that were more impressive than the games with smaller teams so that there's this just like expectation that because you have a suddenly we had this bigger team that our game had to be like one of the most impressive games to come out of the program this year and um i think that's overall not kind of the case that i think that perception has shifted but it definitely was in that first moment um a stressor that was like okay now we real now that we have these this bigger team um we really have to deliver as the art director this is also intimidating to me i think that most of the people on our team have their foot in the art realm uh we do have an art heavy game seeing as there are a number of locations and puzzle objects and things like that that need to get created um it is kind of hard to lead a team of you know i think there's five people six people doing art on this team maybe maybe it's five uh, but that's a lot of people. That's a lot of people to lead through a meeting. That's a lot of people to get on the yeah. same page about what the art is supposed to look like. Yeah. Um, I think it's it's five people dedicated to art. Mm-hmm. Then it's puzzle art, programming art. Um, no, four people dedicated to art, puzzle art, programming art, VFX, and art. And then the two programmers that uh, maybe we can draw a stick figure sometimes or um, mm-hmm. put uh, an existing PNG through the uh, oil paint filter on Photoshop. We also have a member who's doing art and is leading the narrative meetings. Yes. So. Oh, yes. Yes. Yeah. So we have a lot of people wearing a lot of hats. <laughs> well, even... No, none of, our, none of our programmers are pure programming because it's... Our three programmers are programmer art, programmer sound, programmer production. Mm-hmm. So... Everyone is wearing at least two hats. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that brings up another interesting point, which is that because our team in particular has such a small tech division and such a small technical demand, um, it's interesting the way that it fits in with the other teams, like the 12 people teams with three artists and like eight or nine programmers. So it's interesting. Or like the, the, the Game Boy Advance team that is all programmers. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. cause that's that was the appeal of that of that pitch for people. Mm-hmm. So I think that's kind of, it's the balance there. And I don't think, I want to say that we don't have high technical demand because even looking at kind of the early puzzles in the pipeline, like there's technical demand in how we want to like store the information in that vending machine efficiently and how we want um, the, the back end of all of our puzzles to go in the most efficient way. We can use some more advanced techniques than just like storing everything in arrays. I think that's fair. But we definitely... I guess the point that I was trying to make is we definitely have a much larger art scope than tech scope, which is different from a lot of games like uh, that have a very large tech scope and then only one 3D modeler, yeah. which I think is interesting. I think a lot of those teams, though, will be... Because even the 12-person teams, we're one, I think we're one of the few teams that um, isn't, at least right now, considering the use of external collaborators... I think a lot of those teams are bolstering their arts division with external collaborators, and we're not doing that. So we kind of have a very core team of everybody on the team is in the program, and we're not, like, outsourcing a lot of our work like some of the other teams are to get that even division, because I don't think, at least right now, we're in the position where we would have to do that. Mm -hmm. And having such a large art team, I think, and such a focus on art and a large art scope uh, does mean that it is all the more important to do what we're doing right now, which is, you know, several weeks of pre-production and focusing on our art direction, getting everyone on the same page about what the art is going to look like and feel like. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, 
on that art, let's pull back from this tangent that we've gone on about kind of uh, like prior stuff, which I think is important to get out mm-hmm. uh, into the world and document it as well. But I think we need to return to what what happened with how did we go from our big mess of a mood board that we talked about on what was it Monday mm-hmm. to the nice clean mood board that we have as a result of our meetings uh, yesterday. Yeah, so that process was a bit of a mystery to me to begin with. I really leaned on feedback from our um, arts professor uh, in that process. Not necessarily feedback, but his lectures about art direction. Do we want to name drop him? I don't know. (laughs) Do we want to? What's his Twitter? (laughs) Hello, yes, we're at the University of California, Santa Cruz. My address is... (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. No, I was saying just you want to name drop Marcelo's Twitter. I think that we can use his first name if we want. He has a private Instagram. <laughs> Do you follow that private Instagram? No, Janelle does. So it popped up in my Instagram, and I does was he, like, "Does he click mention follow?" And it was like, "This uh, is private." Does he mention like, Pink a lot? Does he call her out for Pink a lot? Does that in lecture, if nothing yeah. else? I, I I get a chuckle every time. Me too, uh, and I think so does Janelle. Yeah, mm-hmm. but, I don't think he'd do it if mm-hmm. if she didn't. Yeah, uh, no, they are they are friends, as far as I can tell. Um, but so our professor is a um, graphic designer by uh, profession, as far as I am aware. He's also got a lot of experience in 3D modeling and, you know, other cool art things. So his first couple lectures this quarter have been about what is an art direction? How do you do an art direction? And that has been really important to me as the art director. Coming into this quarter, I knew our art direction was changing because... Um, personally, I wasn't happy with the prototypes art and, and look and feel, and I knew other people on the team weren't as well. So having some guidance from the professor really helped. We also had our first team check-in with this um, arts-focused professor, and he gave us some really good ideas. Um, so originally what we had done is had everyone on the team bring in some mood board images. That means images that were inspiring to them and what they thought this game's direction could take. We had a lot of really different images from a vector art to multimedia um, things that combine traditional animation and video. Uh, We had a lot of photographs of heavily lit museum displays. Uh, There was really cool um, typography that people put in. So we had this huge mood board uh, and it just didn't have any connecting thread between all of them. Our first attempt at glancing through it and having everyone talk about the images they brought was a little bit messy. Like people had a lot of different ideas that weren't really um, being consolidated. So there there was a lot of attachment to a lot of those images as well. So people were like this, what I found was this is what I want it to look like. And there were some threads that we could find there. Like that first meeting, there there were some levels of agreement on what we kind of wanted it to look like. And I, but I think those only really spread to maybe three people at a time in a nine-person meeting. So, like, leaving that, it was like, okay, we need to, we need to really consolidate what we're, what we're doing here. And that was, like, the, the, big, the big concern out of that was, and I think this gets into the other uh, point on my notes for today, um, when we make that decision, are we making that decision about what's best for the game, or are we making that decision about trying to please the most members of the team with what they want to do? And I don't think, I personally don't think either of those is, either one of those is the correct answer. 
but I think we were leaning way too far to one side of that spectrum. Yeah, as the art director, I was definitely afraid that if I made a hard art direction decision, that there would be people on the team that didn't like it, that wouldn't want to work with it, that would refuse to, you know, um, make uh, concessions to what they like to draw and how they like to draw. Uh, so I was definitely holding on to that fear. Um, what really helped moving forward from this first iteration of the mood board is our professor suggested that all the artists bring in a new piece of art with a one-day turnaround that was their idea of the style and showed what they could do, what their um, you know strengths were, what their art style was, and what they uh, could see for this game. So I said, that is an excellent idea. And uh, we, we did that. Uh, we wound up having three people, myself included, that brought in art. No, we had four people, sorry. Yeah. Um, that the, brought the four in, that managed to attend. No, one of the people who did not manage to attend still. Oh, right. Was um, it? Never mind. I was okay. trying to remember who it was. <laughs> I think you know who it is. Yeah. Uh, who contributed art to our discussion uh, about what the mood board will be or uh, what the art direction will be, sorry, for the quote-unquote finalized mood board. Uh, so I had the four people that came to the art direction meeting um, go around, talk about what their art piece that they brought in was, uh, why they wanted to take the art in that direction. And uh, once we had gone around, I also led the discussion to say, what is the connecting threads between our pieces of art? And um, how can our art connect to the themes and narrative of the game? Uh, and it was really productive discussion. It took a long time, <laughs> you know, as stated, an hour and a half is yeah, still we were, a long we, time. We were just sitting over there noodling through that mm -hmm. technical design document and just looking up every once in a while and going, wow, they're really, yeah, they're getting into it in a way that like we haven't seen in um, in the other meetings that we had this quarter. We saw it, I recall seeing it a couple times um, in the early prototyping phase last quarter, but in the meetings this quarter, because they were all very kind of like go around the circle meetings, there was no like, huddled discussions or any like actual like we we never like did more than just kind of scratch at the surface of what we were doing mm -hmm. i think that was kind of a fundamental flaw in our earlier discussions is that we didn't we stayed too surface level with our decision making we didn't start to kind of dig deep into one particular thing and find something that everybody would appreciate within it yeah and i think that's one of the problems with the big nine people meetings is that we don't have enough time or uh yeah, just not enough time to hear out everybody's opinions on everything that we do. And so those big meetings could really only be utilized for the big sweeping strokes to make sure everybody's on, on the, the same, same page, page of, yeah. of what we're making. Yeah, that, that didn't stop some people from really from trying to dig in. And I feel like it's um, uh, a fault of us. Maybe we should have followed some of those threads or maybe um, we should have like maybe shut that down a little earlier just so that we kind of keep everyone on the same page. I'm not 100%, even with hindsight right now, in whether either decision on that spectrum was just would, be, would have been justified. Yeah, I think that our general meeting structure is going to be changing a lot, especially in this next uh, upcoming two-week sprint going into our first uh, playable prototype. The art direction meeting wound up being, as Casey said, much of a huddle. It was really a discussion between the three people who had brought in art. Uh, the fourth person who came decided to work on puzzle design during that meeting um, after, you know, sitting in a little bit. Um, but 
I think it was really productive because we were able to have those really deep discussions. We had enough time allocated for it and everyone was able to voice their opinions. And the people who didn't attend that meeting, um, we curated a very tight mood board in order to show and communicate the rest of the team what we are doing now. Uh, which still needs further refinement. As art director, I think there are still some things that need yep. definition. Yeah, but, but that, that major decision has been made. Yes, the major decision yeah. has been made, and we know the general look and feel of the game now. And, I mean, I'm, I'm very happy with it. It definitely touches on uh, what I had in mind from the very beginning of the prototype when I was saying, let's do watercolors. You yeah. know, we're it's not totally a, a, a losing. a different take on that kind of, like, a style you don't see in games a lot. Mm -hmm. We're definitely not losing some of the things I love about watercolor style, you know, the texture, the colors, um, all of those elements. We're able to carry forward the important aspects of, the, of, of that, as well as bring a new thing like uh, some examples of line variation that we really want to include, uh, a lot of focus on shape language, having simple shapes that convey a lot of information. Uh, so I'm really excited about it, and uh, our next step with that is going to be having the artists try that style, uh, bring it into the first art critique session, which is happening this weekend, and further refine the art depending on what people can do and what people are excited about. Yeah, I think that's... Um... That's I, probably the, the ideal place we should be right now based on just kind of how people have been talking. Because the, the big talk in a lot of the lectures, too, is that they're, they're very kind of retooling the expectation of this, of this series of courses. It's not like in the past where may, maybe it was always like this and we were and the people we talked to were the ones that were like, no, we're making a whole game in this in this thing when it's not. I think maybe like maybe the, the the demo vertical and the the playable slices might be new, but it seems to me like with that risk I'm looking at like because Alex you'd said at the beginning that um, you felt we were behind schedule from where you wanted to be. Mm -hmm. My interpretation of kind of how um, the lectures have been going is that we might actually be even a little bit ahead because we have we have a lot of. Um, pre-production decisions i'm not saying that we're like at the end of pre-production now <laughs> but we have a lot of stuff like maybe we're we have a game that like can have that can continue to have some elements of pre-production occur simultaneously with the beginning elements of like a production cycle so we can start kind of to produce finalized um elements of the game for release kind of sooner than a lot of the other ones because a lot of the other games they're kind of they have to test and refine their gameplay loop more and it's a lot of like maybe that final that that we have that core loop kind of already tested not to say that it doesn't need more testing of course but mm -hmm. that it's 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 kind of it's more tangible we can describe it more so a lot of kind of like we can we can make those more advanced decisions a little more easily and instead we're kind of getting bogged down with maybe like maybe because other teams might not have had the art direction problem but they have their core loop is still in its infancy and needs more design and testing whereas we had the benefit of our core loop from that first prototype was the one thing that we were like yes this is what we want to keep and thus it allowed us to get bogged down in the art direction problem without falling like too behind schedule to the point where i would again kind of argue that we might even be ahead of schedule I think that's a fair thing to say. I mean, obviously, like I said, I'm the producer. I'm always going to want us to be uh, hitting the, the bullet points faster Yeah. Um, as sort of my role as the producer slash production manager in this 
small team environment to sort of keep everybody like oh hey remember those deadlines they exist um but yeah definitely like uh in our most recent uh lecture on the tech side they mentioned that this entire uh three-month quarter is meant to represent pre-production phase of like a triple a or or equivalent game and i think that was an interesting sort of put things into perspective yeah uh, I, I quite like that too because a lot of the discussion that we'd heard in the past is that it was like the first quarter last two weeks of the first quarter is pre-production this winter quarter is production and the spring is post-production and that's kind of how we were how our original planning uh elements went Something I think really interesting uh, that I heard from teams in the past. Last year, I had a couple friends who were seniors, um, and from talking to them last year, it really sounded like games that started with a block two prototype from fall. Some uh, teams that already had a demo that was playable were the teams that were most successful in the long run. Uh, that were not starting from scratch at the beginning of winter I think, quarter. I think Nathan said something to that effect as well. That's why I was really kind of gung-ho about the pitching process once we had a really solid playable demo mm -hmm. because I was going well it, in the past not to say that it couldn't all explode for us but in the past having these kind of solid initial loops in a testable state earlier is almost always better mm -hmm. and kind of to follow Alex what you were saying to go back to that I very much like the change to pre-production in the winter and production uh, in the spring because that feels more real to industry because a lot of the it is still accelerated to how industry work is but i feel like kind of the big the big thing to like when you apply for a position and you have portfolio pieces and this degree as opposed to just portfolio pieces or and like a computer science degree or just a some art school degree is that knowledge of this degree shows that you you have experience in the team production process as well as the actual development skills so you have that like you have that quote-unquote real world experience as opposed to just having like oh i made this game by myself or i have all of these art pieces or i have this sound library but you also have this you also have this design experience and you also have this prototyping experience and you also have this production experience that people that don't have this particular degree just don't have. I think that's a good point. So now that we've taken a look back at what we've done during this first sprint, we wanted to have a little quick discussion about what we're looking at for this upcoming sprint going into our first uh, playable. Yeah, I think I, I also have in my notes the um, the discussion kind of around um, when we talked about kind of making decisions um, for the value of the game rather than like fear i think we touched on that a little bit we did touch on that a little bit and but we can i mean dive into it before yeah. we move forward if, i if, I'd, mm -hmm. I'd like to dive into that a little bit before we move forward into into the what's next territory mm -hmm. well i definitely have some thoughts there um in terms of art direction i really was interested in a mixed media art style i was the person bringing in you know hand-drawn animation juxtaposed on video backgrounds and saying wouldn't it be cool if our game looked like this um and, you know, understandably, I was quickly confronted with the fact that that is probably not in scope for, you know, a game project that is essentially four months long. But our professor also drove home to us that we shouldn't be making decisions based on fear. 
Um, so even though we aren't pushing as far into that mixed media direction as I was proposing at the beginning of uh, the mood board process in these past two weeks, we're still moving in that direction, which is really exciting for me. I think that we're still pushing some boundaries. We're not letting fear of, um, you know, how will everyone like this? How will everyone be able to produce this? Do we have the time? We're not letting those fears completely overtake us. Obviously, scope is still a consideration. Uh, but we are still moving in the direction that we want to be going uh, and doing something that I think is going to look really unique when it's complete. Yeah, that was kind of that was the the, the breakpoint that we had in our discussion um, a few days ago that was like um, kind of balancing um, what we want to do with what we can do and then but not letting that be our only decision, like the only thing influencing the decision that we make that the most important element in a decision like that is the vision of what that final game will look like. And the other kind of the other speed bump that I think we had with that decision making process too was I think I forget who said it the other day, but it was um making making a game decision in the same vein of don't make a decision out decision out of fear. Don't make a decision as HR. Mm-hmm. Um, which is a lot of like we were our direction decisions were hamstrung by we want to make a decision that everyone will like rather than let's get a small group which when which is what ended up happening getting a small group consensus and then like that small group can kind of onboard the rest of the team into wider consensus so they can be like we'll make this concession here or this concession here but this is the style that we're going for and i think that kind of as a decision making process was probably the way to go as opposed to something like well let's shelf this because this one person doesn't like it or let's shelf this because this, these two people don't like it or let's shelf this because that's not in this person's art style I think the decision of let's look at a style that we like and that we want this is in our vision for the game and then how can we adapt the styles of our artists to that vision rather than making a decision that was adapting our vision to their styles yeah and I think that gets into our overall philosophy when it comes to team composition because one of the things that we were sort of encouraged to do very lightly by our uh, technical professors was to designate one person as like this is the decision making person who who if we're even if we're like a little bit don't know what's going on here that's the person who would just say okay we're doing this so that things could move forward and we were hesitant to just assign somebody to that role uh, so yeah. I think that from that, like a, the making a decision from HR perspective, that people would resent the person who made that role in some or who made that decision in some way. Yeah, because there's there's this interesting dynamic associated with this class, which is that we're all peers, we're all students at the same level in our career. Um, so it's difficult to assign a lot of authority to each other. Mm-hmm. So it was it's an interesting issue that we're still sort of like working through this uh, difference between developing as students versus developing as a professional team Um, and i think i think that makes it important but i think there is authority on teams but it's like fiat authority Mm -hmm. like the three of us have authority on the team mostly because we've opted to make some of those decisions and people have said that our decisions have this intrinsic value to them not because like we have any more additional experience but it could be just a personality thing too that people like as we were more willing to make those decisions and then other people were willing to fall in line behind them. I definitely think that personality uh, plays into it because if you are 
prepared to make a decision and be a quote-unquote leader, whether or not you're leading your peers or leading a team of professionals that you've hired, people will look to you as you said, I'm comfortable to make this decision and um, you guys can, you know, be angry at me for it. And that was, I mean, speaking from my own experience, I was able to do that to some extent, but not to others. I definitely have that fear of my teammates or my team, quote unquote, the art team, my quote unquote team, uh, resenting me for saying this is what we're doing and I don't care if you don't like it because I do care if you like it or not. Um, But on the other hand, I have a lot of experience with leadership in other areas of my life and um, I am relatively comfortable making a decision and saying, uh, you know, this is the decision. Yeah, I think a lot of that, too, is um, like when you kind of when you look at it from from far away, that like when you say, I we're going to make this decision, that's what we're going to settle on. If someone chooses to resent you from that decision or for that decision, that reflects, I believe, more on them than it reflects on you. Because I think what they maybe don't consider when they're um, when they have a negative opinion of that decision is that the person who made it probably agonized a lot <laughs> over the fact that maybe not everyone would like that decision and they're just opting because it wasn't the exact decision that they wanted. They're going to they're going to shut down like, no, I'm not going to I'm not going to do that. Yeah, it's definitely a difficult thing to. Like, not everybody has this sort of, like, bird's-eye view of this project as a as a complete block. They're more thinking of the week-to-week, what are, what are we doing, what are our tasks? And it's more difficult from that perspective to see why these decisions, these, like, difficult and uh, more final decisions need to be made. And even if they're not final, because everything that we've decided so far could be changed, but we need something in place, something written down, so that when we're designing new things, we know how they fit into this overall puzzle. Um, and it's, di- it's just difficult to recognize that if we make a big decision, it's like we needed that decision in order to move forward, and it could still be changed, but we need something in place if we're going to be building on top of it. Yeah, I think that's kind of a lot of the value of wide reflection at the end of sprints like this, is that like, because I know there's like an assigned sprint retrospective, but that's just like, it's written down and in like, to, to fulfill assignment criteria I think actually like sitting and like having a full discussion and a retrospective on what we've done and why we did it is good to inform um, development going forward and I think that um, at least maybe not if everyone's involved in making it if maybe at least people like listen to it and this is kind of maybe where we we shell out like lay bare our souls for the justifications <laughs> of all the decisions that we made, maybe that would give kind of a better, wider team perspective over what exactly we're doing. Or I could just be like talking out of my ass. I don't know. <laughs> um, I think um, I think with that though, we can probably pull into what um, kind of the general uh, production plan is for the upcoming week, and then obviously we will discuss in the next recording um how that went but i think alex if you want to go over kind of what the 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 scope is for the next two weeks now would be the time to do it yeah so we're about two days off from when we're going to be planning out all of the tasks that we're going to want to get done for our next two-week sprint and the interesting thing about this next two-week sprint is that at the end of it we need to have a playable demo with at least one probably at least one puzzle for our personal project so that a player could interact with it 
get that full experience of interacting with it and solving it. Um, so we're really going to be focusing on that and making sure we have at least one thing that is interactable and solvable and that really shows our aesthetic goal of communication. And so on the technical side, what that means is really solidifying our base from our prototype and then implementing whatever puzzle is being designed by our puzzle lead. And then on the art side, we don't need any finalized assets of any kind for this uh, particular build. So it's probably still going to be a lot of art direction talk, a lot of uh, sketches and concepts. Mm -hmm. And then... I think it would be nice to have, maybe not finalized, but like in the pipeline assets in the demo, because we want to... That demo will be playtested probably a lot, because I think um, Michael said that there would be... Um, some kind of um, faculty planned playtest fair at the end of that sprint. So I think having some of those assets, at least in production, would be would be nice so that we can get feedback on the look and feel as well. I'm definitely planning on moving the art in that direction. Uh, I plan for us to spend a little more time concepting and um, critiquing the concepts and then moving on saying, what do we need in this demo? What do we need on the screen? Uh, and starting to work on that, as Alex said, they probably won't be done by the time we get to the demo, seeing as more time needs to be spent on concepting. But there will definitely be assets in the game uh, for that demo that get towards our art direction. At least, that's my hope. <laughs> I think that's probably more ambitious than what I would personally say, but if you can do it, do it. Like, well, I'm I not going to stop you. Aim for the stars, right? <laughs> yeah. Or aim for the moon. What is it? Aim for the I... moon and land among the stars. I think that's what I'm thinking of. Oh, let's go with that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. I think that's fine. <laughs> so I guess I'll peel back. I'll say, you know, maybe don't expect as completed assets as I may have just uh, implied, but here's to hoping. We can yeah. try. More than nothing, less than something. <laughs> yeah, there we go. That's a good way to say it. All right. And then we'd probably want a little bit of sound uh, in there. We do have some, some temp uh, sound assets already that are just... Uh, I think I think in terms of SFX, that's probably... We'll, we'll still be at, at temp sound in, in that regard. Mm. I think that... Um, after probably a, f a few days into that sprint, once the concepting is really, once the concepting is a little more there, I could take a look at that, just to kind of sit and look at that concept art and go, all right, what does what does this space sound like? What does this what is this space going to? Um, how does it resonate? What sounds are we going to hear in it? Um, would there be um, like levels of ambience? Will it be eerie silence, ambient background noise, um, like? music or no music how does that factor into things mm -hmm. but i think that's um that's kind of it's kind of hamstrung by i don't want to make a bunch of sonic decisions when potentially there could still be a somewhat major shift in in look that then renders a lot of those sonic decisions useless yeah i think just having some kind of uh if not having any actual recorded studio audio for the game because I, I don't think we'll have that for this uh, demo just having similar to how we have an art mood board, maybe a sound mood board and a general uh, sound design document that has sort of like what you were saying, like what, how does it, how does the space resonate and what sort of direction are we going? Yeah. For I this think the yeah. general sound. I think that probably as the one sound person, um, uh, I feel 
totally comfortable making those decisions. I think maybe in that first week we might want to say one of our small small group meetings is we get a couple people, maybe maybe you and maybe one or two other people, and we go, let's let's sit together. Let me let me run a meeting with a few people and go, let's kind of collectively make some sound decisions so that I'm not like just showing up the next meeting and presenting presenting my sounds as like the word of god Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah i think that's that's a good idea sort of like a critique like what will be happening on the art side like a sound uh a a listening critique of the sound direction and then the final thing would probably be probably two narrative meetings in this next sprint just to more solidify the beginning middle and end and the arc that we're trying to go like the emotional arc of, of the game and, and and whether we want to kind of keep that arc contained to the demo or whether we want to maybe do what Marcelo said and have the demo be like a representative chunk of that arc mm-hmm. and not the whole thing mm-hmm. from having gone to the first narrative meeting I think we have a solid ending and uh, the beginnings of a beginning and whether or not we decide to present a chunk of this narrative or uh, the entire narrative in the game I think we have a lot of um variability in what we can do we have a beginning we have an end and the middle can either collapse or expand depending on what we decide to do i think that's probably a decision that we want to have made by the end of this next sprint but it's obviously not one that we have made now no not yet yeah but i think there is the potential to go both ways with it so i'm happy Mm -hmm. with that yeah obviously this next sprint is still pretty heavily uh pre-production focused uh we've got a lot of documents that we're going to want to keep updating we've got a technical design document game design document we've got a narrative document we've got our uh, mood board which probably will have a couple more iterations we'll we'll have the beginnings of a sound document we'll have a little bit of a sound document so and then just just unlike this sprint we will have something to show for our work Mm -hmm. um beyond (laughs) a google folder full of documents Mm -hmm. um that's not nothing at the at what is essentially the end of the month yeah and hopefully we can keep our morale up during this uh, document-heavy part of the project. Hopefully we can, yes. I'm, I'm looking into ways to keep that morale up. I will um, probably, uh, once you finally make that uh, event coordination chat channel in the uh, in the team Discord, I will kind of throw out my preliminary, like, planned-out schedule for that uh, that team builder at the Exploratorium. I think that probably would, would do well to keep morale up. Next next weekend would be would be great just because it's in the middle of the middle of the sprint. It's a nice like, okay, you've done a lot of work in this one week. Let's go have some fun for a day, and then come back, come back revitalized to do uh, more work to kind of bring this project, bring this project uh, sliding into first base. Yeah, I think that's a good idea, and we'll have updates on how on fire we are or not how <laughs> on fire we are. Yeah in a couple weeks in our in our next episode we're only moderately on fire only moderately yeah. on a, fire a, if, if an episode comes out then you will know that we are only at least only moderately on fire <laughs> yes if we're completely on fire this yeah. might not be the highest priority yeah. thing in our production pipeline so you imagine it could be one of the first things to go <laughs> yeah. well I, I i think it might be one of the one of the things where it's like um we we look at things to cut and we go i think we i think we need this to uh, just as a reflection point because like if we're horrendously on fire as it comes into when we would want to record this next one then we can just go and say let's discuss why we're on fire and how we can solve those issues of being on fire yeah because it might I just think... be the best thing that we need is, uh, <laughs> yes. Yes. let's talk about what just happened let's talk about what just happened well because we like we said at the beginning for this to be a valuable resource to other um to other future teams a we are 
like extremely on fire episode and how we're coping with those problems is probably one of would be probably one of the most valuable um kind of uh resources to someone who's in that same position yeah we're definitely this definitely isn't just the best bits uh podcast this is this is uh, warts and all development (laughs) process we uh, we might we might cut a best bits but uh, it would be a best bits of recording so Mm -hmm. (laughs) i would uh where our memes come out but i think um i think if there's not anything else uh the two of you want to put in i think that's probably a good place to yeah i think that's a good sign off to uh, yeah. sign off for this week um this has been the mobius development podcast i'm casey i'm amanda and i'm alex all right thank you for listening <laughs>